Good evening. All right, if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 16. And I know it's Christmas, and you may be asking, why are you in Psalms? But my, uh, while I was trying to figure out what I was going to preach on, uh, I, I began to pray, and I was thinking about Luke chapter 2, which I'm glad I didn't because the uh, pastor preached on it this morning. And then I was thinking John chapter 1, and I was all over the place uh, thinking of what I should do. Um, but the Lord led me to Psalm chapter 16. And I believe that it's a fundamental principle that can be used all throughout the whole entire year, but I think it's something that we need to think of, especially this evening being Christmas. Um, and, you know, I think it's the key to getting through good times and bad times and the holiday seasons, and sometimes you have the crazy families and, uh, you know, there's strife in the family and all that, and it's just, it's, it's a principle that we can carry at all times. And uh, I would like us to look in uh, Psalm chapter 16, but to this, this evening I want us to talk about something that I believe is very interesting because the world tries to partake but not be a part of. And they speak of joy. I was in, the, I was in Walmart the other day and I heard um, Away in a Manger playing on the radio and I was thinking, why is it even playing here? They don't even understand what that means. And they were playing Joy to the World and I seen posters and stuff, Joy to the World, Joy to the World, Joy to the World, and they don't know what that means. They, they, are, they, they celebrate Christmas without the understanding of what Christmas is. And tonight I want us to look at that joy and that gladness and how we can attain it, but not as the world sees it, but as God, as God wants it to be. And I want us to see how we must keep God in our central focus, to keep Him always before us. And that's how we can get that joy. That's how we can get that gladness and have the proper Christian life that we're supposed to have. So let's look in Psalm chapter 16. We're going to be focusing on verse 8 through 11, but I want to read the whole chapter just because it's such a blessing. And I don't plan on being too long this evening, so it's going to be a rather short message. Um, I was expecting one amen there, at least. All right, um, all right uh, uh, chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O Lord, my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my God, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God, and their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take up in their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. Here it is. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for Christmas, and I thank you for Jesus that you sent him, and God, I just, we're, we don't, we can't even scratch the surface of understanding uh, of what happened that day when Christ was born, uh, but Lord, we thank you for it, and we understand that 
uh, everything that you've given us in the Bible to understand salvation. We thank you for that as well. Lord, I ask that you would touch the hearts of people this evening and help us just to get you dead center focus of our life. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so sometimes life is just hard, right? This semester, I've been clinging to this verse 8 this whole semester. It's been a tough one, I won't lie. I won't come up here and tell you that, you know, everything went just the way I expected it to. But I'm so thankful because it didn't have to go well for God to be good. And it didn't have to go well for uh, God to not prove himself to me over and over again. And, you know, sometimes these hard times, they drag you down. They bring you to places that you don't want to be. And, you know, these trials come and you may ask yourself, boy, God, why did you do that to me? Why did you let this happen to me? And sometimes bitterness and anger slips into your life when that happens. And, and you can say, well, God, you know, where's that joy? Where's that peace? Where's that comfort that you promised? Because, you know, we hear all the time, you know, God promises peace, God promises joy. But then we don't have that. We, we're, we're, we're questioning God and we're questioning his word sometimes. And that can lead us down a bad path. And I've seen it all too much this year. Of, of people that, they, that they're banking on God to provide that joy, but yet they're not willing to do one thing that is absolutely necessary to get that joy, to get that peace. And, you know, this, they're missing this one crucial element, and it's like trying to ride a bike without, you know, wheels. It's just not going to work. And, and it's like trying to bake a cake but you're missing the eggs. It's just not going to do what it's supposed to do. It's just going to be flat. It's not going to be what it's supposed to be. And this one missing element is, it's, it's kind of interesting, because look right above verse number one. It says, Mictum of David, and these titles are inspired. It says, Mictum of David, and that word, Mictum is a Jewish word that means unknown. It means hidden or mystery or treasure. And this verse, this chapter, reveals to us a treasure, and I believe verse 8 is the culmination of that treasure. It is, it, is, it, is the, it is the item of which it speaks of. And, I, and we're going to look at what the treasure is and how you can get it. And I believe that both are, both are answered in verse 8. It says, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Let's read that again. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Now, if I could just get you guys to write this down and stick it on your fridge or put it on your wallpaper on your phone or just memorize it, this verse is going to take you through so much of life. If you can get this verse down, it's going to carry you through the hard times. It's going to carry you through the good times also. It's going to carry you through any time of your life. And, you know, I wear glasses, right? They help me see. Like right now, I took it off, and it's all blurry. I'm not quite as bad as Pastor, but like I can still see, you know, that there's people here, and, and sorry, and um, and you know, I I wear these glasses to help me see clear. I wear them to aid me. I, I wear them to to give me safety. Because sometimes I'm on the road, and you know, I can't see what's going on if I don't have my glasses on. You know, there might be somebody pulling out far ahead, or you know, a traffic jam, or whatever it may be. But I have set them before me. They're on my eyes. They're, they're on my head. And any image that 
comes to my eye must first go through these lenses because I have set them before me. And they're there to help me to perceive reality more clearly. They're there to, to influence my decision. You know, is this picture hung straight or crooked? You know, that's what they're there for. I have them set before me. They're in my field of vision. That's what this verse is talking about. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. We are to view life setting God always before us. Everything that we see, everything that we do say, everything is supposed to be seen through that lens, through the lens of God. Does this please God? Is this what God would want me to do? And, you know, I think it's uh, David here. He is saying, I have set the Lord always before me. And it's my daily prayer that, that is, that's what I do. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Lord, help me to set you before me. And I pray that that would be your prayer today and, and that you would carry it into the rest of your life. Uh, that, God would be, that God would dictate every area. Amen. David here, he's saying, Lord, influence my desires. Lord, influence my focus. Be my filter. Be my lens. God, I want you to, I want you to rule every area. And he formed his life around this thought process. That's why God used him to write the book of Psalms, I believe, because he had set God before him. And, and we hear that David is known as the man after God's own heart. You can't be a man after God's own heart if you haven't set God before you, if you have not let God take every, every area of your life. Now, look with me in verse 8 also in one other area. It says, that word set there, I have set the Lord before, always before me. That word means equally placed. There's no irregularity. There's no inconsistency with that. I have set him before me. That's setting like a, an even playing field. It is every place, every condition, every company, every employment, every enjoyment. God was set before him, and we must do the same. We must do the same. There's no way to possibly please God if we have not set the Lord in every aspect of our life. Because if you're, if you're focusing on God while you're here at church, that's a good thing. But if whenever you leave these doors and you go out and you work in the world and you don't act the same way, if you don't view God the same way, are you doing what God wants? No. You can, you can have your friend group here at church and that can be good. And that can please the Lord. And you can have good conversations talking about God. But then you go out here and you have your other friends. And it's okay to have unsaved friends. But whenever they influence your life, you cannot have close unsaved friends because they will influence you. And they will tear you down and they will drag you down. And they will warp your vision. You must, you must, be, you must have this consistency of life. And it's something that we need to strive for to always set him before you. Not just today, I feel like I'm going to be holy, I feel like I'm going to be spiritual, and tomorrow I'm not. It's got to be through and through. Amen. Through and through, all the way. I had a college teacher tell me one time, because I was going through a little bit of a rough time, and I kind of went into his office, and I was like, man, God, I'm just I'm struggling. I'm really struggling to just stay consistent. Because, you know, one day I was doing the right thing, and the very next second it seemed like I was just tripping up over myself. 
And I, I asked him, you know, what advice can you give me just to help me to be more consistent? And he said, you can always be right with God. And I've, that, I've, I've clung to that. And it seems kind of surface when you think about it at first, but then the more I thought about it, you can always be right with God. So sometimes whenever you're in a situation and you react, you know, out of anger, you, hold on, whoa, 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 hit the brakes. Where am I going? What, it, am I setting the Lord before me if I react this way? Am I setting the Lord before me if I say these things that I'm thinking? Oftentimes not. We need to constantly have that right relationship with God and have him always before us. In verse, in verse 8 it says, He is at my right hand. And that's the other thing I want us to notice. Look at the word right before he. It says, because he is at my right hand. Because he is at my right hand, I have set the Lord always before me. God's presence is with us at all times. You know, he's always available, available to you. He never sleeps. He's never preoccupied. He's always there. God, okay, I'm trying to still wrap my brain around this, but God can give you 100% of his, of his attention all the time to 7 billion people, okay? I can't understand that. We can't understand that. That, that is omnipotence. That is God having way beyond what we can imagine of power, of focus, of love. He can, he can, he's always with every single one of us. A prayer away. That's how far God is. He's always there. And, and you have 100% of God's attention. How much attention do you give God? He is always there, and he wants more of you. And if we can gain this understanding of God's presence, and if we can set God before us, we will not be moved. That last part of the verse says, I shall not be moved. And if we can let that dictate our lives, we're not going to be moved. When the tough times come, we will not be moved. Because God's right there, and if we already have him in focus, bam, he's right there. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. You know, he prayed three times a day. Every day, bam, 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 he prayed three times a day. He already had that close relationship with God. And whenever he got, he, you know, you, a lot of you have heard the story, but he got thrown in a lion's den because he broke, or because they changed the law so that it would be illegal for him to pray. And he gets thrown in this lion's den. And whenever he's there, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get mad. He knows that God is going to protect him. And now imagine if Daniel had not prayed three times a day. Imagine if God was way over there and he, and he didn't have that strong relationship with him. I'm not sure if God would have spared his life. But since he was already right there with God, he was so close. He was walking with God at all times. It was a prayer away. Amen. And God protected him. And he, and he was not eaten by the lions and he was released the next day. And I think of that and how we need to always have him right there. He, he's already there. It's just a matter of us 
in communication with him. It's a matter of us having him before us, always praying, always keeping him as our central focus. And I want us to just have that understanding. And I've heard a lot of modern-day Christians come, you know, the more, the more mainstream ones. They have this saying that they like to say. They say, you can do it. You're stronger than you think. And while that is partially right, and it's also partially wrong, because it's, it's dangerously close to a, a humanistic way of thinking, a very secular way of thinking, because sometimes God, he puts us in these places to prove that we're not strong enough. And, you know, we, so often our society is based on me, 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 I, I, what can I do? How can I build myself up? But God doesn't want that. He says, come to me, all ye that are heavy laden. I will give thee rest. He wants us to come to him to give us strength. And it must be based on God, because it's, if it's based on us, then we're nothing. We can do nothing in and of ourselves. We are just flesh. We are sinful men. Can you work your way to heaven? No. You can't. You can't be good enough. You can't, you can't strive hard enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't read the Bible enough. It's a matter of putting your faith in what Jesus Christ has already done. When he died on the cross, he paid for that sin. He paid for those sins that you commit. And you can't pay for that. And that's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus Christ came to pay for those sins. And, and we have to give him the glory. We have to give him the honor. We have to give him the worship because if we focus on ourselves, if we focus on what we can do, then it's nothing. We've lost. We're going to die and go to hell. That's the bottom line. And, you know, we can, we can claim strength, but it, strength is the Lord's. There's a verse, I forget. It says, for thou art the God of my strength. And that's what we need to have. We need to have God be the central focus be the central thing in our life. And we need him. We need him desperately. We need him for every day, every step, every breath, we need him. Every breath, every thought, we need him. We need him in every area. And he's always there, but it's not until we set him before us that he will come to us. The Bible says, draw an eye to God and he will draw an eye to thee. And, you know, my mind goes to Job. You know, Job could not physically see God. And at one point, he could not even feel God's presence. He says, you know, on the right hand, I can't, I can't feel him. On the left hand, I go forward, I go back. I don't know where he's at. Does God even care about me anymore? Because the, the, the times in his life were so rough. And, you know, this, I know it's Christmas and, and we're supposed to have joy and all this stuff, but do you guys know that Christmas is actually for some people, the loneliest time of the year because of lost loved ones, because of uh, family tensions, because of just memories of the past. I, I, I couldn't find a, a standard statistic, but it said that it's either 17 or 45 percent. That's why I didn't, I didn't quote it. But that many people feel lonely on Christmas Day. 45 percent of people. And their focus is not it's not always wrong, you know, to feel lonely. But when we have God set before us, He will give us that peace. 
He will show himself strong, and he will give you that comfort that you need. He will reach into your heart, and he will fill it. He will send someone your way to encourage you. And that's why it's so important for us to encourage each other, especially during the Christmas time. Because you don't know who's, who has the pain in their heart. And pray to God and ask him to give you somebody to, to talk to, to encourage. We, we always need to keep him there. And I think, like I said, of, of Job and how he was in that space where he couldn't, he couldn't detect God. He, was, he felt all alone. His kids had just died. All of his possessions were gone. But what did he say? He said, though all this is happening, I know when all this is over, I'll come forth as gold. Because he had the proper perspective. He had the right lenses on. He didn't see all these tragedies as, woe is me, look at all that's happened to me. He looked at that and said, God's going to make something of this. He didn't question the goodness of God, and neither can we. You know, he had God placed right before him, and he was walking by faith and not by sight. And that's so easy for us to walk by sight, because it's, what, it's, it's one of our senses. It's so easy for us, but we need to walk by faith. We need to put God before us. And, you know, he, Job knew the presence of God. He knew, he knew his goodness, and he knew that these trials were just tests. They were just teachers to see if he would do the right thing. And, you know, for us to have that, that's a divine perspective. That's divine lenses. That's seeing things for how God wants us to see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close after this. I told you I'd be short. This is more of a New Year's message rather than a Christmas message because, you know, for New Year's, we always seem to make uh, New Year's resolutions and things like that. And then I don't want this to be like a New Year's resolution, though, because, I mean, let's be honest, the diet thing never works out. Um, but I want this resolution to stand strong. Tonight, I want you to make that decision that you're going to set God always before you. And that whenever you go into your workplace, that you're not going to let the music of this world infiltrate your mind, that you're not going to let the movies of this world infiltrate your mind. You're not going to let sin infiltrate your mind. You will have God right there, right there, so that nothing bad comes in. And whenever these bad things happen around you, you'll see things the way that God sees them, because you've set him before you. And that's my challenge to you guys this evening is to make that commitment to God. Say, Lord, I don't know how, but I want to set you always before me. So that, and, and for you, some of you younger folks in here, and you're thinking about what you want to do whenever you, you know, go to college and things like that, have God set before you. Ask him, what do you want me to do? And, and God will guide you. He literally, he literally will guide you, and there's nothing that you can do. If you're properly seeking God, you cannot miss the will of God because you're seeking after him. And he wants you to know that will. Verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Therefore is as a result of. So he sets his heart, he sets his, his, uh, the Lord before him. He recognizes that God is on his right hand and he's not going to be moved because of that. Therefore, as a result of, I'm going to have gladness and rejoicing and hope 
and pleasures forevermore. That's what the Lord promises those who put him first. And that's my challenge to you guys this evening. And I do want to say one more thing. If you're here and you're visiting, and maybe you're not, you don't regularly attend church, and maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you don't, maybe you don't understand what salvation is, or maybe you've never um, asked the Lord to save you, that's the first step to putting the Lord before you. That's the first step to, 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 taking, to, to pleasing the Lord, is getting to know Him. Getting to know Him is only part of it. The first step is salvation. You must repent and you must ask the Lord into your heart. That's the only way to jumpstart this whole thing. So if you, haven't, if you haven't done that, then that's your first step tonight, is to get saved. And, and, and pastor or me or, some, or one of the deacons can show you how you can be saved. And then you can make that commitment and say, Lord, I want to set you always before me. And I pray, I really do pray that, that this be our anthem for next, semester, or next season. Semester, I'm in college, but that's going to be my, that's going to be my, um, my goal. But I hope it's not just for next year. I hope it's for life, you know. I hope it's for life. So I'm going to pray and hand it off to Pastor.